Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. Hey, comrades, I'm Britton. Oh, that's probably uh, a bad way to intro now, huh? I thought it was like a reference to the the fun movie we watched. Fun? What What movie was that? Did you guys not watch Drag Me to Hell? <laughs> <laughs> Is that not what we're talking about? Uh... No, today's movie takes place in Russia, and um, so I thought I'd do a little a little reference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, we're we're dating the podcast a bit. Obviously, the whole Russia Ukraine situation is still ongoing at this point, and I think you know we're gonna just kind of set that to the side, um, yes. just because we're talking about a very stupid action movie With... that happens to take place in Russia. <clears throat> That's it. <laughs> we're not genuinely gonna... yeah. Did not cross my mind to apply any sort of real world <laughs> political thinking to this film. Uh, oh, this movie does not. There's nothing about this movie that necessitates it take place in Russia. Right. Russia is simply um, the non-American place they can describe as a lawless wasteland. Yes. Uh, we <laughs> are talking Chernobyl. About, they got to have an exciting set piece at the end. So Chernobyl. <laughs> yeah. Um, we are talking about X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, <laughs> yep. This movie was written by the same guy and mm-hmm. ends in Chernobyl. Yep. Oh, does Wolverine end in Chernobyl it as does. well? Well, it's a five mile island. So oh, you're it's, right. it's you're another right. nuclear disaster. Still. <laughs> um so so we're you're talking saying a good is... day to die hard. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, and the in this one, John McClane should have gone to Madripoor, I guess is yes. what we should be needed. Okay. Correct. I'm pretty sure on some of the marketing for this movie, it said Yippee-ki-yay, Mother Russia, and that sure. just <laughs> upsets me to no end. Ow. <laughs> I I know it's uh, it's fun for like Marvel and DC Comics to they they have these these nations that they have created uh, kind of to stand in so that they're not really uh, taking aim at. Right. actual locations and they can kind of play with that the atmosphere and location um but i'd really love to see like just regular movies do that they just they just make up something make up in, instead of saying like oh they're in egypt or they're in afghanistan yeah. just make up some some nation so that you're at least a little less offensive sure. when you <laughs> display this as some horrible yeah. uh awful like desert land that has no water and no one can live in and also the sky is yellow um <laughs> like i feel that's that's they, they should have just done that with this they should have just been like it's uh it, it it's in uh russ belarus kinston <laughs> or something <laughs> just yeah just make something up well, it's uh, like how you get this in tv shows right like gilmore girls took place in was it stars hollow i think and mm-hmm. um chuck well, actually he's yeah, and like Riverdale, obviously. Um, yeah, I remember Chuck have there was like an island nation. There was like the dictator of that nation. I think the nation was called like Costa Gravas, which I believe okay. was a reference to the film director Costa Gavras, which is <laughs> pretty great. Yeah, so it's like, come on, movies, what are you doing? Be silly, own it. Yeah, don't don't make it make us think about your movie having any real world consequences because it does not. Yeah. Um, I. At times, watching this movie, uh, didn't quite fall asleep. I did doze off, and also put in an offer on a house. <laughs> uh, and by the time the movie ended, I looked up and I was like, "Is this 
the end of the movie. I didn't. I had not checked the runtime beforehand, and so like, I was distracted for a second, and I looked up again, and I was like, "Oh, this feels like we're we're past the big third act." Sep- I think the third act of this movie starts halfway through the movie, for one. Yeah. Um, I think it, and, it's kind of a two act movie. It doesn't really have yeah. like a, a middle act. Yeah. Um. And my point in saying all of this is. I have nothing to contribute to this conversation. <laughs> I realize we haven't even done the introductory stuff, but yeah, I I did well, a couple of rows of Latchuk, you know, messed around <laughs> on my phone a good bit. Like, uh, it, you know, it's a tasty 99 minutes, though. You are. Yeah, it's a quick, quick picture. Alex, what kind of stuff did you do uh, instead of watching the movie? Um... You know, just some chores, did yeah. some laundry, mm-hmm. unlock some, some characters on Smash. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you're kind of a, yeah, maybe you got Wario. I know you see a lot of yourself in Wario. You know, I, I, you know it, was, it was funny. I realized like halfway through the movie that uh, the TV was off. I had, I had accidentally turned <laughs> turned it off. And, then I was and like, yet oh. the movie was still playing. Whoa! <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't be saying that on the podcast. Maybe I shouldn't let the people know what a fraud i am <laughs> <laughs> that's why alex gives everything a c or a b is because he hasn't actually seen it <laughs> i think the the only time that that happened was the world is not enough and oh right i, I think i had the joke i was like <laughs> if 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 i watch the rest of this and my grade changes i'll mention on the next episode <laughs> and then i didn't <laughs> that sounds like when i didn't finish crime and punishment for an assignment in high school <laughs> there you go and I just like wrote what I could, and then I it, in the report or whatever I wrote, I was like, I didn't finish the book. I will at some point. Finish but in it a way, that it. speaks to uh, is that Tolstoy? Uh, Dostoevsky. I've already failed my uh, my English essay on crime and punishment. <laughs> in a way, that's really what Dostoevsky was was looking to sure you know, portray the the sort of uh, just impossible to escape. Grind right. of the justice system and the way yeah. that you know it's it's just going to drag you down. So you're never really over, you're never really finished with it. It yeah. would be great if somebody wrote an essay on a book and was it was a very well researched, very like well analyzed, thoughtful piece of writing, but they got the author's name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if it was like this beautiful think piece on crime and punishment, and the whole time they were like, and what Dickens does so well with the <laughs> and then it was only. <laughs> Like, if you were a lit teacher, what would you do? Like, they clearly read the right book and got everything great, but they don't know who wrote it. I just thought Nicholas Sparks's Emma in, was so in, enchanting. In, in C.S. Lewis's A Hundred Years of Solitude. Uh... <laughs> you know, I really, I really loved Mark Millar's Catcher in the Rye. I mean, <laughs> actually, maybe that's I mean, maybe that's fairly that's a fair thing. Uh man, coming to Netflix soon. Um, yeah. Alex, what are the scores for this uh, this year picture? Yeah, so we have reached the end of the line with the Die Hard franchise with a Good Day to Die Hard from 2013, directed by John Moore. It has a 15 percent critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. And I want to remind everyone, the last film had an 82%. And the audience score is a 40%. <laughs> uh, there are some of these movies that we do that are really bad are like ones that I can imagine seeing maybe in the theater when I was, 
you know, a good bit younger and kind of would just roll with it. Or, yeah. you know, I might like not enjoy it, but be kind of fascinated by it at mm-hmm. the same time. Uh, I feel like I can definitively say I would have either fallen asleep or walked out if I was watching this in the theater. Like, I, I think I don't think there's a scenario in which I just pay attention to this movie for an hour and a half in a movie theater and do not have some sort of physical reaction. Believe it or not, uh, I actually paid to see this when it came out. I, how did, I, I did go how to did the that theater. go? How, how was that for you? <laughs> I remember thinking, like, kind of rolling with it and being like, yeah, it's not it's not a good Die Hard movie, but whatever. It's sure. a stupid How old were movie. you? Like, 11? No, I was 17. 16, 17. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I can't do math. I just pictured, like, 11-year-old Alan. A good day to die hard, please. <laughs> um, a friend of, uh, beloved friend of the podcast and co-host of the Marketer's Cut podcast, Logan, was uh, texting me while I was watching this movie and said, Britton, whenever you guys get to a good day to die hard, I'm, I'm going to find the message and see exactly what he wrote. Uh, because it was, it was quite prescient, uh, my dear, my dear Logan. Do, do, do. All right, here it is. So he said, Britain, when you get to a good day to die hard, please mention how awful and boring the car chase scene is in that movie. I went to see it with a friend when it came out and fell asleep during a car <laughs> chase. I will never forgive that movie. <laughs> and I was like, I'm literally watching it right now. And yeah, I hear you. He goes, the previous one, Live Free or Die Hard, is amazing. Justin Long? Yes, please. <laughs> and then we, we, we went on to just kind of talk about I was going to say, like, yeah. can, does he have a blurb for each? Each movie that would be good. Oh, that would be good. Backtrack, I'll, I'll... figure out how we got here through a, a new perspective. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll do get, something I'll interesting them. narratively. That would be fun if we yeah. had something interesting narratively to talk about on this episode. Uh, Britain. Speaking of narrative, uh, yeah. would you like to tell us what the heck happened in A Good Day to Die Hard? Oh, Alex, I'd love to try. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, Logan's great. Marketers Cut podcast. Check it out. I've mentioned it. He's a good dude. Um, and yeah, I would agree with him about the boringness of that car chase. The 100% synopsis of A Good Day to Die Hard. New York City cop John McClane arrives in Moscow to track down his estranged son, Jack. And we got to talk about Jack because this is a big deal for us. McClane thinks his son is a criminal, so it actually comes as a shock when he learns that Jack is actually working undercover to protect Komarov, a Russian government whistleblower. With their own lives on the line, McLean and Jack must overcome their differences in order to get Komarov to safety and thwart a potentially disastrous crime in the Chernobyl region. Guys, this sounds like a high-octane thrill ride. Now, I do want to say, dear listener, you probably, you've heard us allude multiple times to the fact that part of this movie takes place in Chernobyl. And I imagine you're thinking, oh, I bet there's some goopy effects in this movie. There are not. Uh, Chernobyl in this movie is treated like a dingy warehouse (laughs) that you have to wear a protective hazmat suit to go into until you set up like a beacon that kind of blinks away all the radiation and then you're fine. Yeah, I, I'll be perfectly honest. I I don't know if, if the devices they used are anywhere near reality, but it's just like, (laughs) we're going to just point like laser beams at, at 
air and it's gonna clear out the radiation in this building pretty definitively say that's a negative yeah (laughs) (laughs) like and then they're just like all right let's get on with them with our movie i mean it is it is like the prometheus thing where it's like oh the air is clear now and then everyone just takes it off and i'm like no some of y'all are still getting cancer sorry (laughs) (laughs) i don't believe they had a biotic like in mass effect 2 to protect them from this just saying it's even worse because like at the end like it's a cool shot where like john and jack they jump as the helicopter's exploding Mm. and they're falling through several stories and then they hit the water i'm like did they clear the water of radiation (laughs) That's yeah, probably true. not. That's it's, true. It's, you know, it's a good <laughs> probably to get your blood filled with radiation. Yeah, that's probably bad for them. What if at the end of the movie, as they were walking off laughing, you just saw an ear growing out of Jai Courtney's head, <laughs> like the back of his head? <laughs> he was like, oh my God. That well, was maybe... one of the differences between the theatrical cut and the extended <laughs> cut, Britain. Jai, I did Jai totally Courtney's just. falling out. I totally just bu- uh, buried the lead. Guys, Jai Courtney's back. Our best yeah. friend Jai. He's he's In... come home to roost. Maybe his worst performance yet. Yeah. I feel bad because th- I think yeah, this I... is the movie that kind of made me like n- not like Jai Courtney. And like this was one of the first um, kind of instances of them kind of using him of like we're going to push this guy as our, our – potential yeah. leading man for action yeah. movies um so by the time the terminator genesis rolled around a couple of years after this i was like no nope, nope yeah. total shutdown i i do not accept him um of course since then we've had him give some wonderful performances even yeah. if the movies are pretty bad um but yeah this is definitely like a, a bad uh first impression that i had yeah. with him as an actor which and is unfortunate it's i mean i i don't for one, we, we've talked about this with his performances in, <clears throat> I guess, really the first Suicide Squad. And then a, a tiny bit of <laughs> the Suicide Squad. Um, the Is there anything I'm forgetting? Has he been in something else that we've watched? Genesis. Um, I think that might be it for what we've watched. Okay. Um, but he's a lot better in, in those. And I, I think we've talked about how him being able to use his actual accent <laughs> helps quite a bit yep. uh, and not try to be American strongman, serious boy. Uh, and so he's doing that in this movie. The, the like, Oh, I just have to be a leading man hero guy who says everything seriously. Yeah. Um, and then also like he's, he's not, you know, the best actor ever, but the script is, <laughs> it's right. just, it's just not good and is not going to facilitate any sort of performance that could be considered successful um jai jai in this scene you're just going to be angry at your father john mcclain did you see the other <laughs> diehard movies his name is john mcclain you're going to keep calling him john and that's going to get under his skin you're just angry the whole time i definitely alex and i were talking about this last week that i Jai Courtney is an actor who the the best thing the best movie that I've seen him in he was in it for about seven minutes maybe, which is the Suicide Squad mm-hmm. because otherwise I've seen him in this original Suicide Squad and Genesis so like he hasn't gotten the opportunity to prove himself to me it's yeah. not that it's not even that I think he's a bad actress it's, uh, what have I seen him in that's given him a chance yeah. um he is in two of the Divergent movies. I'm just oh. saying, just gonna put that. Money well, that's on so the funny because we're doing Divergent next. Woo! So that works out. <laughs> we will oh, get there he's eventually. Also, in I Frankenstein. Yeah, he is. 
And then we're doing every Universal Monster movie oh, ever. Oh, can't wait. Uh, I don't even know if that's oh, Universal. The other film that I saw him in was Jack Reacher. And he's it like wasn't muscle Stoned in Bros? He's in a movie called Stoned Bros, and he has the same name as he does in the Divergent movies. Just saying. <laughs> that's... Oh <my> God. <laughs> Can we do that either in between or before or after? Whatever. However that fits into the timeline. Yeah. Uh, as, as a bonus... Starting this, our uh, reviews of the Divergent series with Stoned Bros. <laughs> I liked him in Jack Reacher. That's all I wanted to say. Thank you. <laughs> oh, he's I'm not sure even he's one very of, good at Jack Reacher, Alex. He's not even one of the main bros in this movie. Well, that's upsetting. Yeah, really. We'll just watch his scenes. That that'll, that'll do it. <laughs> um. No, uh, but well, the other thing I, I have this thought about. So uh, this has happened several times in, in recent years where Hollywood has said, we need a new action star. We're going to pick a guy from central casting and we're just going to keep pushing him. And that's going to be our new action guy. But the thing about a lot of the great action stars is one, as with most things, they happen by accident almost. But like, think about the big deal action stars. They either have something really unique like Stallone, Schwarzenegger. Um, and like, so you guys are bigger fans of Stallone than I am, but like, even I admit like there's something unique about him. Mm-hmm. Obviously Schwarzenegger is a very specific movie presence. Um, or you have these like crazy athletic guys like Jackie Chan and all these great sure. martial artists. It's, it's not about be sort of, you know, matinee idol handsome and be really like just grim and talk about your family all the time, because I feel like, that's what they try to do with Jai Courtney and Taylor Kitsch and Sam Worthington. And like, that's not immediately, you need to either just be bursting with charisma, have something really unique or just have this incredible athletic skill set. Keanu Reeves, for example. And I think all three of those guys, the times when I've liked them the most, they've been supporting characters because sometimes mm-hmm. being a handsome burly guy doesn't mean that you have to be the lead of a, of an action movie. Sometimes that means you can be a supporting character in a comedy and you can be really funny in that, or you can be on Friday night lights or something. And also like thinking about Stallone in, in Rocky and Mm. Bruce Willis and Die Hard, like they're both, they start off with these everyman performances that sort of cement them as being like, Oh, they can really act. And then maybe that starts to catch up with them eventually. And it just turns into like, sure. Now you're just doing, you're playing yourself and, and you can just kind of, Right. make that happen um and don't have to put as much like nuance into it but like that they didn't start off by being like we're gonna be the new hollywood action man right um, right and obviously that's a different era than when your your jai courtney or your sam worthington were yeah. coming up but same same idea i think it's like you're not gonna find someone i mean like i don't know the thinking of modern action stars like the Rock started in wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves did all he, sorts of Keanu he's like Reeves doing things. Like 80s comedies and stuff. He didn't really uh, become an action guy until like what the 90s. Well, I'm just, I'm thinking of like, yeah, I guess I I'm thinking of him in terms of John Wick, but I guess The Matrix. Exists. I guess so, I have to yeah. admit that. Or Speed. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Speed is probably point, point Break and Speed really kind of put yeah. him on the map yeah. of being an action star. Yeah. And the, Speed also, it's more of a. I, I we'll have to review speed at some point when they do speed three, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, I believe that's also more of a kind of like guy thrust into a situation. Yeah. 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 I think, thing. I mean, it's yes. die, it's die hard on a bus. Is it, is it? Yeah. Good. Yeah, so. That's we the should pitch. watch speed. And it's yeah, just amazing. We should just do an episode for speed. 
I mean, I, I honestly would throw out the idea of just doing like a spinoff or a bonus episode of like, we're doing speed just because yeah. we did die hard and this is yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- I think it's just, it, it, it's, it's a sign of how, and like you said, Tyler, I also don't know that Jai Courtney is like secretly a master thespian or something, but he's probably got more than he's given credit for yep. because the things that would, could have made his career ended up just not using him effectively. And so then we all kind of get this impression of like, Oh, he's a bad actor. Kind of like yep. how people had this thought about Kristen Stewart after the twilight movies. Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh, Kristen Stewart's a bad actress because of twilight. It's like, no, she, what was she supposed to do? And then once fortunately she and Pattinson both started getting other opportunities to show off that they are really talented. And now they get to be Batman and princess Diana. I mean, we, we just got to wait for our boy Taylor. We got to, we got to, we got to wait for the, the uh, Lautner Renaissance. Uh, <laughs> He's coming. <laughs> yep, he's gonna be playing Al Al Albert Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> it's just called Al. Yeah, I but in this that. one, he's like a badass and has to beat up a bunch of aliens. Yes, correct. With with physics. Yeah. Yeah, like the new Sherlock, the cool yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Um, I yeah, Jai. I think. A lot of this and and everything that I do think this movie could have worked. I I really think it all comes down to the script is just bad. Like it's just bad dialogue, very rote, like no imagination. And then they're just it's so much of it is exposition. Um, Yeah, like it just feels like the the father son bonding scenes where we're trying to have some sort of emotional arc between John and Jack. It's just completely perfunctory and doesn't actually amount to anything at the end um and it also doesn't help when it's just like john this time doesn't really like of course part of the shtick with john mcclain is that half the time he doesn't know what's going on but this time he's literally in a different country where they're not speaking his language and that makes him much more irritating i feel like that brings out britain you've talked about how you don't really care for john mcclain as a character um in in the past episodes i think this one just by virtue of the situation really brings out the oh i don't don't, at least in this situation no i don't like john mcclain yeah he just punches a guy because he he forced him to stop his car yeah and then he yells at him for speaking Um, in a different in his own mother tongue yeah like it's it's so baffling and then jack like the hostility between the two of them just felt very forced and it was literally every scene that they were in. It was exhausting. Yeah. This movie is rated PG-13, right? No, it's R. Is it R? I really thought it was. I did not check, obviously. I I really thought it was because he just keeps saying Jesus over and over again instead of swearing. (laughs) (laughs) And so, like, I was like, is that... Like, he says it literally five times in a 10-minute sequence kind of earlier on in the movie. Um, huh. I don't know. It it did not really feel like John McClane to me. Uh, even even more than the last movie, which kind of drove away from that, was more just eh, it's kind of playing an action star and they're attaching yeah. this backstory that we're aware of, and and you're just kind of rolling with it. Um, this Alex, you had mentioned last time that with the diehard scripts, they they would kind of look for just like what's an action script that we have lying around. Let's turn this into a diehard script. Uh. This to me really feels like it's just a different movie 
And literally the only thing is that Mary Elizabeth Winston is in it and the main character's name is John McLean. And that's like, there is well, no other connection. I, I don't know what the backstory is for, for this one, but it, from what I gathered, this one seems to be more of a concerted effort of like, no, we're writing a diehard script from the ground up. Um, I think it is the I, only one that's not based on something. Or, <laughs> like or I did if, try uh, looking up like an interview with Skip Woods around the time that the film yeah. came out. And Skip Woods is the guy who wrote this and his um, go check his Rotten Tomatoes page uh, for some fun scores. Um, he was the one after was it Benioff who who wrote who took a pass at X Men Origins Wolverine? Mm, yeah. Skip Woods is credited with the final screenplay for that. Which Do is we think not great? <laughs> so X Men Origins Wolverine infamously went through a billion rewrites. Yep, and and stuff. Was he? How were there any after him? Was he the I, last one? I don't think so. I think he's got the final credit. Okay. Which doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, they could have been making up stuff every single day while they were shooting. So I was going to say, do we, do we think maybe Benioff left because he was like, well, this script is completely unfixable. Uh, and then all that Skip Woods did was just come in and be like, I'm going to put in I'm going to put in a Chernobyl scene. <laughs> and he just reworked the final act of Chernobyl, and that was it. And they're <laughs> like, like, "No, you got can't, it. You can't take Nailed it to Chernobyl, it. though. Like that's not that doesn't work with the time." Or sorry, frame. sorry, through my Yeah, no, 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 no. They, they, he specifically he writes in Chernobyl, and they're sure, like, "No, maybe. you can't. That doesn't make." But he's like, "But I a big explosion. They're on top of like, uh, you know, nuclear power plants and whatnot." And then he just like takes it. He's got his script printed out. He just takes his sharpie and just draws a line over Chernobyl. Just in in scribble, he writes Five Mile Island." Hollywood is fun. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah I I think I mean already we're we're working against the diehard formula. Like this this movie just with its premise is not in the mold of die hard it's not it's not john mcclain is in the wrong place at the wrong time it's obviously since it's not set in america like there's just a whole nother element to it um but the fact that he kind of goes looking for trouble in this case it's just it's very strange yeah um and also the fact that his son is a spy yeah first i yeah how I feel like in the one of the movies, John McClane tells somebody that he has two daughters. Maybe it's the first one, and Al says, like, oh, I've got two girls. He's like, yeah, me too. Or I feel like at some point, Jack, Jack, John had two girls, but then it was a boy and a girl. I, I really... Has it always I been a boy it, and a girl? It's I always been a boy and a girl. That's first one, okay. there is a... In the first one, there's a boy and a girl cast, right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Okay, then I must have misinterpreted somewhere. Okay. Um, also, the... It, uh, go ahead. Well... This was going to be a tangent, so... Okay. I was going to say the villain in this is nothing. Yeah. And that's Which not a mark one? on the actor. Uh, Ka- Ka- Kazarov, comma... I'm off. totally stealing this from Red Letter Media back when they did their review, but they called him Russian Ridley Scott. <laughs> I See, I, I spent sure. a good amount of time reminding myself that he was neither Mel Gibson nor Peter Sarsgaard. <laughs> that was where I was at. <laughs> because, you know, in the previous... Like, the first three movies, you had these really charismatic, neat villains... Obviously, the first one's, like, perfect. The fourth one, you had a really good actor in an underwritten uh, role, but it's uh, Timothy Oliphant. And in this, it's, like, the biggest thing he does is after he's revealed as a villain, he does, like, a big exhale. Because mm-hmm. as Dan McCoy from the Flophouse pointed out, 
um, now that he's now that he knows he's the bad guy, he has to ham it up. Right. Yeah. Like one of his henchmen dances a little bit, which shut up with that. Just he stop. chews a carrot and calls them cowboys because do you remember when they talked about uh, yeah. cowboys back in Die Hard One? Just like <laughs> so, I'm, I just don't like the trope of like I'm a villain, so I've got to dance and be, un- and that's how I show people that I'm off my rocker because uh, Andrew Scott did that on Sherlock and Michael Madsen in um, Hotel for Dogs. Like I don't understand. <laughs> it's just it's not. It's not an interesting thing anymore. It's just like, it, it feels like a gimmick. It doesn't feel like a character thing. Uh, so I was, oh, I was gonna... Dogs, my favorite Tarantino movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was it, right? Michael Madsen, he's dancing around before he grooms the dog. I, I gotta say, I we can talk about how the movie looks, and that is very different from how this movie is edited. I actually think this is a very good looking movie, all things considered. Um, but just the image of that guy tap dancing to kick away their guns was embarrassing. Yeah, it was stupid. Sure. Yeah. Um, Britton, you, you raised, you mentioned our boy Powell. Put, put uh, Powell. From, from the first movie and briefly in the second movie. It's really strange to me. And maybe I, maybe I should be fine with this because this is what every franchise does eventually. And so maybe it's a good thing that this movie doesn't do it. This movie doesn't try at all to play on kind of the, yeah, the, the cultural capital of the original Die Hard, uh, except almost... for a couple of token, like embarrassing moments. The end yeah, where Komarov falls off the building is, I don't even know I... why they attempted to do that. Sure. <laughs> um, I'm more talking about like, trying to bring characters back or anything like that. Like, I don't know. It's, it's so strange to me. I think the arc of this makes a good bit of sense through live free or die hard. And that, that just feels like, okay, it's kind of a separate movie. This makes sense for a place for John McClane to end up in after the events of the third movie, you know, he, or he's working with his daughter or whatever. Like, all right, fine. That, that, that tracks. Um, but then this doesn't even attempt to make you, like really try to connect back that that character like it's got plot references it's got the cowboy thing like there's there's bits and pieces that are trying to harken back to that but it doesn't try to make you feel like this is the same film series at all i don't know it's super weird um this feels like where you you come back and you're like oh hans gruber's son sure uh, is is now like (laughs) He's he's trying to get revenge for his old man, like uh, something like that. Um, I Have again, heard of the name Hector Gruber. <laughs> Hector Gruber. There we go. Let's write a Die Hard sequel. Um, and and this one will will be a, the the legacy thing where he passes on the mantle to Jai Courtney, and we'll we'll make <laughs> yeah. Jai Courtney's role that he needs to you know show Hollywood what he's got. Uh. No, it'll I, be like I, that wasn't that like a disney the descendants thing or like jafar's son and maleficent's sure. niece or whatever are fighting it's gonna be like that i am not sure but i believe you so, sure let's yeah, say let's say that's that. what it is well you um, know what you know what you know who owns the diehard franchise now disney yeah we talked sure. about this because tom See, holland's gonna play it's, freaking it's all it's all there 
It's and that's what there. I'm saying is that Disney's going to reboot this in five years and they're going to do it right. By which I mean, they're going to do it in a way that at the time I will be like, this is terrible. and I hate this, uh, even though the movie's probably going to be, you know, fine in terms yeah. of the filmmaking. Uh, but what I'm saying is I would prefer something that is like schlocky and overly sentimental and really driving back those references and tying it all together and making, you know, a whole thing. than something like this that is just completely it, it feels like you just tack something onto the end of a franchise that makes everything else before it feel worse <laughs> like you the the average that you have weighed down this otherwise very respectable solid slightly declining but still very solid franchise that we've been reviewing <laughs> has just been totally plummeted by this thing you tacked on at the end i don't know it's so it's so out of line from where the rest of the movies of this the series are um Alex, you had mentioned a couple of times, like, oh, do you feel like we're getting to the point where the the characters are surviving these crazy situations and it's not really realistic? Um, I kind of feel like, aside from the scene at the end of uh, Die Hard 4 with the plane and everything, I, f I wonder how much of that is people saw this movie and sort of projected that backwards sure. uh, when they thought about the franchise, because... This movie, like, Jai Courtney and Bruce Willis basically fall off the side of a building and there's, you know, the the classic Hollywood, eh, it's probably fine, they hit some boards on the way down. Um, couple, yeah. couple planks in the way, they're probably gonna make it out just okay. Uh, it's constantly just chucking them around and doing insane things with them. And um, theor theoretically, this should kind of um, be remedied at least a little bit by, like, oh, they're cut up and bloody and there's the bit where, uh, Jai Courtney's got some rebar stuck in him and, sure. and his, his father pulls it out. Um, but it's, it's, it's so over the top. Like it is, it, it goes way too far. And I, <laughs> the bit at the end where the, the helicopter is going crazy and John's just kind of hanging on for dear life. And there's just this shot of him getting flung from the helicopter and smashing into a window <laughs> and just, I'm like, no, this man is 60 years old. He yeah. would not. It's not how that would go down. Yeah, but it, it, it takes it way too far. And like every every action scene does it. Literally every action scene does it. It pushes it way too far. Um, You know, we can talk about you know, Logan. We're going to talk about the, the, the chase scene and how terrible <laughs> it is. Um, You know, John's killing civilians, at, even though the movie wants us to think that he's not. Um, I mean, John's the reason the whole thing gets set off in the first place. So that's not great. Um, but it's, it's horribly edited and like I, for an opening action scene, I don't know why they had to go that big. Like that feels yeah. like something that you would try and have as the end of the movie. Right. Yeah. And it's just, I don't know. And from then on, it's just constant action scenes. It, it kind of, Funny enough, like it, it was giving me throwback vibes to Terminator Genesis, and of course that came out a couple years after this. But like the first half of that movie is action scene, five minutes of dialogue, action scene, five minutes of dialogue, action scene, and that's like the entirety of this movie. It never felt like we had time to breathe or actually have fun yeah. dialogue or banter. It was just we're yelling at each other. Oh, we got to shoot some guns. Well, and even Rinse the fourth feet. one, which, you know, I do think is the weakest after this one, by, but but it's still a lot stronger. 
yeah you you get a at least a few breaths at the beginning to kind of establish where John is at this point in his life and kind of what's going on with the villain. You get an idea before all the shooting starts. Right. And this one just kind of drops you into it. And and yeah, you mentioned the killing civilians thing. This movie does what a lot of Hollywood movies do where like the, the foreign country is simply a location for the white people to run around in. But this movie really like, I've never I've never been to Russia, but it 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 paints Russia as this as like Detroit from the RoboCop movie from the first RoboCop, where it's like just there's nobody on the streets, um, and it's just buildings getting demolished, and it, it's like a lawless wasteland. And there's this, at no point in, in every previous movie there was some awareness that like okay if this happened. There would be an ambulance at some point. Police would be on their way. There would be some kind of, like, municipal social reaction to that event. And here it's just it, it's just a map. It's just a Call of Duty map where things can explode. Yeah. Uh, it's like, surely, surely somebody in Russia would be like, well, we should look at, we should look into this. You, Many you things see, are exploding. Uh, you didn't see a Morton Joe's caravan in the background? <laughs> like, that, that was the dead right. giveaway. It's uh yeah, also, I, like I, I, out, uh, yeah, it, it is. It is one of those situations where, like, John, like they have the dialogue of like, "Oh, sorry, ma'am." It's it's like they're trying to, yeah, you know, have their cake and eat it too, and it's just like, no, no, it's yeah. just. And I I feel like part of the problem is, and maybe this is the R rating. I don't know, but it feels like they're still trying to go for that gritty, realistic action movie sure. style. Like, there's no stylistic kind of flourishes to it to, to be like no suspension of of you know disbelief like you don't have to worry about that kind of thing because it's not that kind of movie it's yeah. shot very much like that kind of movie <laughs> yeah no totally and like it's there are a lot of those like chase scenes or or stunt sequences with the explosions there's something impressive about the way they're putting it together from a stunt perspective but it's we were talking about this earlier alex it's cut to ribbons like it is so horribly assembled as a scene that like yeah. i can't appreciate the work that clearly went into this yeah there's a, there's a lot of really good looking images they just don't let them breathe yeah it was and almost I, like we were watching the greatest showman mm, <laughs> i mean there it I, is. that whole chase scene is just like i have no sense of geography i don't know where anyone right. is i don't know how far they have to travel like it's just it's very very um obnoxious in that way and then you have john just kind of constantly throwing out one-liners for some reason yeah um he keeps shouting i'm on vacation and he's not he's not on vacation he's unless he's like i'm using vacation days (laughs) to go and to go and uh get my son out of russian prison i think yeah Uh, you don't you don't you've never had to submit that to uh as part of a pto request like no yeah, they know, you know i only ha- they know i only have girls sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's uh Tale as old as time ah don't tell me um, about it hey they're, they're, they're the real problem they're so, not they're beautiful my three so children i want to <laughs> revisit taylor lautner um <laughs> <laughs> i like that that's what you've been working on <laughs> it has been uh he hasn't yeah, Brendan done... and I are getting 
you know, we're, we're getting into the details about like editing and action scenes and why these don't work. And meanwhile, Tyler's just looking up Taylor. Tyler's over here going to talk to us about Getaway. I, I've checked out. Um, so as far as I can tell, he hasn't he hadn't done anything since 2016 until in January of this year. It was a Netflix original film. Uh, it's called Home Team uh, and it stars Kevin James produced by uh the happy madison productions yep um and uh kevin james is playing sean payton the actual coach of the new orleans saints who just stepped down uh who was suspended for a year due to uh being involved in a basically a situation where his players were uh being the the team was paying players to do bounties to like injure other players basically being like hey wow. if you injure this other player like this is a whole thing this is this is a huge like big scandal like uh and and uh sean payton was suspended for a year this is back in 2013 and this movie is about him coaching a high school football team for his son uh during the year he was suspended and he's played by kevin james uh and and taylor lautner is in this as troy lambert uh he's the second build i don't know who troy lambert is or what this what his involvement in the film is um there's also you know you got a robbie a robbie schneider uh our boy um jackie sandler is in this okay uh and i don't know probably somebody else and it's a Um, netflix original you say and it's a Netflix original, so I, I, you know, we can we have access. I think we yeah. should uh, check this out. Cool, Tyler. Um, weirdly, <laughs> these as part of as part of our review of the Die Hard series, we should check out Home Team. <laughs> Tyler, Tyler, did you say that the events uh, of all that transpired in 2013? Yes. A mere good day to Die Hard came out, so it's all it's all there. 2013 is it's a lot going on. It's also it's the devil's year. <laughs> It's a <laughs> Man of Steel and Thor the Dark World came out that year, okay? It's also it, Iron Man 3? Yes. Which I do not like. The so. Devil's Year, Tyler, <laughs> 2013. Guys, this <laughs> um first of all, this movie has two directors, so double your yeah. pleasure. <laughs> oh. Yeah, double your fun. We're gonna get more. Um Yeah, guys, oh, man, I don't know. I really feel like yeah, Tate Bloom. Mm-hmm. Uh, SNL's Chloe Fineman is in this. Isaiah Mustafa, the old Spice guy, as Porcupine Coach. Oh, oh probably, probably not a real porcupine, huh? He's, he's probably not playing a porcupine <laughs> who, who learned to coach there's football. There's a scene in this movie where there's a porcupine screaming at, at <laughs> children for not playing hard enough. <laughs> and then at the end, he... he, he has to like yank his hat off of all his quills and it gets stuck. Yeah, the the ball gets stuck to his back. Yeah, he can't get up. <laughs> and there's and a scene where the, he's just like, "Oh, you got your comeuppance for being a jerk." Yeah, and he's shaking and his head and going, "I guess the other team just wanted it more." <laughs> <laughs> he's learned something. Uh man, I do think we ought to watch this. You no, know, Taylor Lautner like weirdly became a part of that like. Sandler's coterie for a minute. He was in Ridiculous Six and probably another one. When is Ridiculous Six from? Uh, I don't know what year. Okay. okay. Oh, interesting. You had that right on the sleeve, didn't you, Alex? Oh, did you read the? the s- were you looking at the poster hanging above your bed? 
It, it came out the same year as Hateful Eight. That's the only reason. I uh, okay. Yeah, okay. he was in Grown Ups too. Huh. Wow. Did you look yeah. At that? I, I, I just the career trajectory what of the a Twilight weird light. crowd is uh, okay. So, so he was in uh, Cuckoo, a British sitcom. Uh, that was okay. on the air until 2018. So he wasn't totally gotcha. Tyler, Nowhere. if you're trying to pitch Taylor Lautner as Hector Gruber in our Die Hard Six, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yes. Is Jai versus Taylor. Mm-hmm. I think that's the only way we can carry this franchise forward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got to have... Um, all, right, all right, Jai Courtney and Mary Elizabeth Winstead versus Taylor Lautner. I'm, it, I'm on board with this. I, 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 I would pay money to see this. Okay, so the it's happening um, at the site of so the Nakatomi Tower uh, has been kind of rebuilt, bigger than ever. Uh, it, it stood it stood abandoned uh, for for like thirty years because there was like all sorts of FBI shenanigans and and like investigations going on with it, and finally someone bought the place. Um, uh, it's actually uh, Wayland Utani buys it. Uh, because this is going to tie back into Disney's larger uh, sort of adult-oriented cinematic universe. If if we're uh, going to bring them all down, we're going to bring them all down we're, together. <laughs> we're doing this. We're doing this. Um, and uh, yeah, Taylor Lautner uh, is is coming back for revenge. He he uh, tells Jai Courtney to come come meet him where his his father became famous, uh, and they have an epic epic showdown that all takes place in this tower but now the tower is like it, it's 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 supposed to be like the tallest tower uh in california uh or something and so you know there there's more room to work with uh, in terms of set pieces and things um and so we gotta have we gotta have powell's son or daughter we could have a, a love interest daughter yeah we could, we could do the whole sort of True. connect the children kind of thing um is carrie Harry washington Potter style? too old yes but at but the same time raven simone probably isn't it could be raven simone yeah raven simone um and this time the fbi is good and dwayne johnson <laughs> Is the, is the chief <laughs> of the FBI? He like, is division. the new Agent Johnson, yeah. and and he's great. He there's yeah. no he's just like full confidence. We're not we're not questioning the whether or not these guys are good at their jobs. Yeah, oh, we, we can't just um, have him be Hobbs. Can't just do that. He could do that. That's <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but then no, because then Disney see Disney. This is Disney being like, hey, we're taking Dwayne Johnson. Uh, so even then, if you ever like realize, like, oh man, I made a huge mistake. Too bad. Too no, bad. no, no, no. You don't understand. The Rock okay, walks what? into to, to Vin Diesel's office and he goes, "No, Hobbs is mine. I'm taking him with me." <laughs> and he just leaves. They, there's nothing they can do about it because it's the Rock. And, <laughs> and then eventually, they make a partnership with Universal to do a Fast and Furious multiverse kind of crossover. Yeah. Uh, it's all it's all there where where Vin Diesel has to punch an alien queen. Um, <laughs> it's all coming together. Really. Uh, yeah. And it all comes back in home team Two: sins of the father. <laughs> 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 it's just 
How did you guys feel? I'm 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 jumping back to the movie now. So well, then we're, then real quick, let me just say real quick before you do, say, let me just say, sir, may I just say, please? I think I think we need a ramp down here. <laughs> in in this film, Home Team, uh, my current favorite movie, uh, <laughs> Rob Schneider's character's name is Jamie. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. In all the histories of people named Jamie, that is the least like a Jamie I've seen a person look. Yeah, probably right. And that's not Taylor that's, not, a, that's not an insult to Rob Taylor Schneider. Taylor Lautner could be could be Jamie Gruber. He could be a Jamie. You look at Taylor Lautner be, and you say, "Uh, that's a premium Jamie." Taylor Lautner Rob Schneider. He's him. He's a Rob. He's a Rob. That's what he is. I'm not. I'm not dogging him. I'm not saying he's ugly. This is not a looks thing. This is simply a. You wouldn't look at me and say, "Oh, that's a regular Hubert." No, you would look. Well, the listener doesn't know that. But you look at uh, Rob Schneider. That's not a Jamie. Come on. In uh. In our in our reboot of this franchise, um, Die Hard Another Day, uh, <laughs> Taylor Lautner will Do not threaten me with a good time. Will be, will be uh, he'll play someone named Jamie, who's like uh, a guy that Jai Courtney's maybe it's maybe it's Raven Simone, maybe it's someone else's his love interest. Uh, he's he feels threatened about their relationship uh, because of Taylor Lautner coming in. He's like a frat boy. Uh, and he plays, uh, he's, he's a a 40 year old frat boy, uh, and he plays Jamie and then he's revealed to be Hector Gruber once they, they all get to the tower. Okay. Or Jai Courtney could play Jamie. (laughs) (laughs) It's me, Jamie. Governor. (laughs) Um, Yeah. He'll, we'll just say he lived in Australia after the events of, uh, a good day to die hard because yeah, even though hard. we don't like the movie we gotta respect the canon totally so yeah for sure that's gonna happen it and all happened have, it all he'll counts. picked up an We're extremely gonna... strong australian accent yeah this is gonna be our thor of the dark world what does that mean? Meaning that we're gonna keep, we're not gonna pretend it never happened, despite people not. Oh, I see. It. Yeah, I see. We're gonna... Good day to die hard is gonna be. I thought you were yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, not the film. No, the good day to die hard. I thought. I thought you were saying no time to die hard will be. No, no. no. <laughs> Y'all gotta quit doing this to me. <laughs> um. Am I missing any James Bond titles with "die" in the name? Uh, live and let die. Live and let die hard. Live and let die hard is pretty good. Come on, li- li- live free and let die hard. Free and let. Uh, no time to die hard, of course. Yeah, of <laughs> you to a die hard. Oct- oct- octo die hard. Of you to a hard death. <laughs> you to a hard death. Excuse me. The die hard who loved me. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> Alex, what were you gonna say? I think we've we've recently. Um, I was gonna ask you guys, and it sounds like we we've already discussed it a little bit. How did you guys feel about the plot twist? Because like the other Die Hard movies, except for maybe two, we have to have a twist where it's no, it's not anything political. The bad guys just want to get money out of it. And I feel like this one wastes so much time on the political stuff which doesn't matter and is way it's overly complicated that by the time you get to that and it's like oh it's just money i'm like i don't i so, uh, who who cares like that that twist comes in way too late i think uh you know i i've talked about how i was really lasered in on this movie um but just 
<laughs> Jessica's like, you know, you might. <laughs> it, had, it had your complete attention. <laughs> it had my complete attention. Just for like anybody who's listening to make sure they're aware. What what is the? Can you can you lay out what exactly the the twist is? And I'm also gonna go ahead and say it's bad. Uh, well, the idea is supposed to be that the Russian government official guy is seemingly mm-hmm. trying to assassinate Komarov because he's a whistleblower. But the whole twist is that no, he wasn't actually trying to kill him. They were. It's all just this plot to get him to Chernobyl where he's going to steal all of this radioactive material that they can right. then sell for money. But then Komarov still kills the Russian guy because he's like, you screwed me over in the first place or something. Yeah, I, I never realized that we were supposed to think Komarov was a good guy. Like, I was so... When he was like, yes, I'm actually a bad guy, I went, I thought we all knew that. Yeah, I think it does such a bad job. And, and like, to me, this comes off as we got to quickly reshoot and re-edit this. That whole opening scene is like we have like a new newscast montage trying to explain it away in just a few sentences. And it's like, I've got no sense of who I'm supposed to be rooting for or what. And by the time you get to John is, is, uh, you know, a part of this and he and he comes across Jack and Komarov. I'm like, so are Jack and Komarov working together? together because Komarov seems to not want to be there regardless it's yeah it's it's very muddled very muddled agreed (laughs) um Komarov's daughter is there for some reason and there's like a twist where oh no she's a femme fatale and then she proceeds to do nothing for the rest of the movie except fly a helicopter and then die they also um. did something that I, is is both bad and good that apparently so, – so when you go on to the IMDb, the first thing, the trailer, when you, you – know, the, the banner ad for the trailer, it's her like unzipping her like leotard way down. Yeah. And that is – I remember that being kind of a point of contention because that's all over the marketing is like, oh, there's this this beautiful woman and she, she's on a, a motorbike yeah. and she unzips her leather her, – her suit and she looks – sexy she's in like, underneath she's and, in like a bikini underneath it yeah and that never like but in the movie she unzips it like about to her collarbone <laughs> yeah and then it's which i mean real and, quick and that's good like i'm glad that the movie doesn't like ogle her that way but it's also such a gross thing like we're gonna film this and just put it in the marketing and then once we get all those people in the theater we're gonna pull it away from them it's such a weird like yeah thing but yeah no she's also not really a character yeah not that this movie has a lot of characters but the villains are just yeah. complete cardboard cutouts yeah and i just i don't really i don't get it <laughs> like if i sit down and write a diehard movie if i've got my checklist of things that i know i have to get right the villains would be at the tip top yeah and this just feels like no there may be you know you got like 50 50 priority items we got to focus on 50 they're like maybe number 48. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't want to, I, I, you know, I did call out Skip Woods a little bit earlier. And yeah, if you do look at his filmography, the films that he is, um, has supposedly written on, like none of them have good reviews. Like the highest rated is the A-Team remake with Liam Neeson and Bradley Cooper from, from 2010. Um, 
So I don't know if it's just, yeah, we got a guy who just does just very generic nothing action scripts because he can churn them out in a weekend. Like, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the backstory is, but it comes across like, I, I it feels like Bruce Willis and the people behind the Die Hard movies have at least tried to give some care and attention to the filmmakers that they bring on to these and the writers that they bring on to these and and where kind of you know the angle they want to take with the story and with this one apparently it was bruce willis's idea to have something with his son and it's like oh i'm going to go find him for some reason and they kind of yeah. just jumped from there um and it's just I, I, they skipped a few steps yeah Mm-hmm. And then before yes. long, you ended up in the woods, and you didn't ah, know how you got there. I wish they wouldn't have. <laughs> well met, my friend. This battle of wits <laughs> is over. <laughs> um, I want to, uh, real quick, shout out Marco Beltrami, who's the composer or, for this. Yeah. Um, and he did uh, the last one, I believe, as well. So I, I, I kind of just want to like have a, a, a moment here where I just read off like 30 movies that he's composed yeah. for. Oh, yeah. Marco Party. Because this man is like... So he's done... I'm just going to go down this list and like throw ones out that look familiar. So he's done Scream, Scream 2, Halloween H2O, 20 years later. Good. Uh, Scream 3. Uh, did I skip a Blade in here? Because he did Blade somewhere. When did Blade Good. go? Blade 2. Okay. Um, I think I probably mentioned him around that time. He did do Alien vs. Predator. Triple <laughs> uh, X, State of the Union. Uh, Underworld Evolution. Uh, 310 to Yuma. Yeah, that's a great Live score. Live Free or Die Hard. Uh, the Hurt Locker. <laughs> um, some of these are like composed with others. Uh, Jonah Hex, The Thing remake, Scream Four, Good Day to Die Hard, Snowpiercer, nice. The Wolverine. Uh, Fan Forstick, <laughs> Logan, A Quiet Place, Free Solo. Free Solo is probably like his best. That's a great score. Yeah. Uh, score. Um, Ford v Ferrari. Uh, a Quiet Place Part Two. And then has he done anything? <laughs> Let there be carnage. That's right. <laughs> so, did you Man, he like, three? Tyler, he did Terminator Three. Yes, he did. I he's like that. the I fifth sequel, bro, over here. He just like he just churning them out, and there's a bunch more. Like that's that's yeah, like yeah. maybe half violent. of them. <laughs> um he just turns out scores they're never bad uh for my memory like i feel like they're always just he, he does a lot of very atmospheric kind yeah. of um stuff that just pops and, and sort of adds emphasis to action and horror and, and that sort of thing and you know what you do you you yeah. crazy man and marco come on the podcast we'd love to have you come on the podcast yeah please. uh after uh taylor latner of course but yes please yeah. come marco beltrami the first thing taylor latner what happened <laughs> what? did you really know one of the blue power rangers because i heard that you knew one of them or they helped you be a werewolf or something what's the deal with that we'll have taylor Lautner come in and then we'll have marco Beltram- beltrami score oh the that's good interview that we do with taylor Lautner. yeah i like that a lot of low hums mm-hmm occasionally a piercing violin when we ask him a really tough question yeah yeah this is when you were in twilight eclipse (laughs) Uh, 
uh, how did we feel about Bruce Willis in this? Um, because I do probably think about the way Bruce is, Willis felt about it. <laughs> it, it. It does kind of feel like it's it's start. This feels like the beginning of the point where like he started taking on um work that you know was not super high in quality, and it's you know obviously with all of his health complications, it's hard to know when that kind of became a factor yeah. for him in the project projects that he chose. But at this point, this seems to be like a real kind of turn. Um, Cause like the previous year he did looper yeah. and he's yeah. absolutely wonderful in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, there's a scene where he says, I love you to Jai Courtney. I think he plays that scene nicely again, relative to this movie. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, it, Richard Roper's review of this said that he feels like, that in this movie we're watching Bruce Willis and a Bruce Willis movie where Bruce Willis beats the bad guys. It doesn't really feel as right. much like John McClane and, you know. Yeah, I... There. Yeah, And this seems to just... This has the mindset of, oh, so John McClane, his witty banter is just yelling about things. Right. And that's not John McClane. Like, of yeah. course, sometimes he would yell. Like if he's getting shot at and he's he's upset, he'll 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 scream or you know he'll say yeah. something, um. But that's not all that he does, right? Um, like the most clever thing he says in the whole movie is 007 of Plainview, New Jersey, or whatever whatever the town is. Right. Um, and I'm like, that's that's the best you got. Yeah, he's. He's chastising his son because he's a a, a CIA agent. Yeah. What? He does, he does have a back and forth with a singing cab driver. That's kind of entertaining. Yeah. Was anybody else expecting that cab driver to come back? I knew the movie anything. wasn't going to be kind enough <laughs> to us to let that cab driver come back. Like that whole sequence could easily be cut from the movie. Like that whole extended dialogue. Yeah. It could just But be... that's also the best scene in the movie. Oh no, I'm not I'm I <laughs> do not disagree. Um it's just it's very weird how you get to the end of that scene and he's like, and eh, the traffic is too bad. You must you just go walk a couple of blocks. It'll yeah, be it's right fine. Down there. And it's like, well what what were we doing here? What was yeah, the no, part of the scene? Strange. <laughs> Frank Sinatra, make a start of it. <laughs> No, that was, that was like the one time where it's just like, oh, even in in a foreign country, John McClane is still like a man of the people, and he's still, yeah. you know, kind of talking to this guy on his own level, and it's like, oh, just yeah. two humans interacting, just and then after hands that, and John babies. <laughs> but then after that, John McClane just proceeds to just yell at everyone and punch everyone, and yeah. I, 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 no, no, yeah. it's not how that works. No, I agree. Um, Britton, so you said you watched the extended cut, correct? Well, okay. I think what actually happened was I, I rented the extended cut from work, but I think it actually has two versions. Okay. Sure. That's um, a high quality, uh, packaging then if it's got, if you get both versions, that's supposedly, but then sometimes you only get the one, especially when we're talking about these DVDs, you know, kind of from more, more back in the day. That's pretty good. Yeah. But then when I put it in there, it didn't give me an option because I, I think the, what, well, it didn't seem, I don't know. Well, I think, I, I don't know. 
So maybe Did it was. Did have the scene at the beginning where John is going to the airport and Mary Elizabeth yep. Winstead is with him in the car? Okay, mm-hmm. so you watch the theatrical version then. Yeah. Because apparently, for some reason, that's cut out of the extended version? Yeah. So I guess, I don't know what makes it extended then. I, I It sounds like they just lengthened some of the action sequences. Like, I, I've heard the, the, uh, the car chase is actually longer in that cut. I'm like, it already is too long. Yeah. It's already five minutes too long. Yeah, so I don't know if it was just poorly packaged or if I just missed the option and just hit play and then just, you know, waited for Jesus. <laughs> I like to imagine like somebody was just like, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take my uh, <laughs> I specifically bought two copies of uh, A Good Day to Die Hard. I'm going to I'm going to troll the library when I submit <laughs> this. I'm going to give them what they think is the extended cut, but it's mm. actually the mm. theatrical cut. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe my 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 friends in the acquisitions department, uh, they when they got this DVD in their hot little hands and they looked and saw extended cut, they went, "I don't. Something is telling me that I'm. It's like the timeline. I I can keep the extended cut in here, or I can sneak in the standard <laughs> cut in the, and I can save so many people if I do this. The little butterfly, like in Life is Strange, appears in the corner of the screen, and they put it out there, and they were mm-hmm. just like, mm-hmm. I think." I think I just like I think that I think we're in the good timeline now, and I just want to say thank you to the acquisitions department for sparing me. I think I just saved a life. (laughs) I think they might have. Also, maybe they're called collections. I don't know a lot about where I work. (laughs) I give this movie an F. I also give it an F for forget about it because I needed more New York. Um, I'll probably just go with a D minus. Um, I can't come. <laughs> okay. All right. What did you, you love so much about it? It's a stupid <laughs> action movie and I liked how some of it looked. That's, that's all I got. I will say before we do recommendations, I do want to say, I, I think I know the way this movie should have ended. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, you know, cause the way the movie ends, they're going to John and Jack and, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, um, the actress, not the character are all together and they're laughing and they're going to get on a private plane as I, which I named John McPlane. Um, yes. And they're about to get on John McPlane. And I really, really think what should have happened is instead of the hazy free freeze or whatever they did, John McClane kind of laughs. And then the, the, the two kids walk ahead of him and he looks at the camera and goes, so that's my story. <laughs> Had some crazy adventures. I lost a little, but I learned a lot. And in the end, it all came back to family. And that's what this is all about. Yeah, I guess if I could tell you anything, it's that even if you get into some scrapes with a little bit of this, tapping his forehead, and a lot of this, tapping his heart, you too can uh, can die hard. And then they <laughs> and then they start playing Royals by Lord. <laughs> <laughs> My my other pitch was going to say you two can get lucky, and then it goes, "We're up all night to the sun." Because <laughs> I was looking at hit move hit songs well, from twenty thirteen. It could be, be Die Hard, and then they play Get Lucky. That's, That's true. <laughs> but I really like because there's a lot of songs from twenty thirteen that would have fit this ending: "Royals by Lord," "Roar" by Katy Perry, "Get Lucky" by Daft Punk, <laughs> <laughs> "Thrift Shop" by Macklemore. I mean, they could have gone back to Credence. They could have. They could have done. But I really love the idea of Bruce Willis shaking his bald head and then, you're gonna hear me roar, etc. Alex, you and said then, that's Katy Perry's best song. Defended. 
Uh, you when, said my when, choice is a real dark horse. It's uh, Roar. When did I? When did I say this? It had to have been a time I, I was horribly confused. Was this uh, when we discussed three colors white? Was that when I said that? <laughs> Deep, Guys, is wait. What do you mean? I think it's a perfectly defensible uh, song to say is Katy Perry's best. What? What? Alex, what is your actual? Yeah. What do you really Katie think is your best song? If if that's not it. Do you do you want like a joke answer? Or do you want an actual answer? The real one. Tell the truth. Well, you just seem like you're really putting down roar. I'm like, yeah. well, what's so much better than roar? It's I like, like a change of the rhythm. Like, okay, that's that I, sounds like an actual take. Yeah, I'm, I like wide awake myself. I don't. I don't listen to Carrie, Katy Perry that much, which I, I don't <laughs> or, know or, where this or question Carrie is coming from. But <laughs> um. <laughs> We have fun here. <laughs> uh, I do want to say I, I'm glad we did this franchise. I had not seen really any of them beforehand. And I think I kind of expected to come out of this feeling like a lot of the later performances were uh, later performances from Bruce Willis were like this performance. Yeah. But I actually came out, uh, I think, being much more appreciative of uh, Bruce Willis as an actor, and sure. I would really like to watch Looper. I need to get around to that again. I've seen it before. Alex, you show me it. Yeah, it's been a minute. I I need to I need to revisit that. Um, so yeah, this was this was a solid. Uh, we're just kind of throwing a lot, and the, and this movie is so boring and quick and yeah. over with that it it doesn't really like besperch the good name the way uh mm. the way a Halloween did ten times. Yeah. and the various reboots of that franchise um or you know the later alien and or predator movies like th- this is just you know okay so they they mailed one in at the end um no big deal it happens in these franchises yeah uh and those first four that's a really just solid group of movies uh especially the first one so yeah and um, that first one stands on its own good time. so well like the first one yeah. is such a great standalone that even if you didn't like two three and four like you're still like that is a full complete movie yeah agreed die hard covenant coming next year (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, alex do you want to start off with recommendations this week uh sure i watched black swan hey nice darren aronofsky movie had Um, you seen it before what was that had you seen it before no first time nice um, I kind of just watched it on a whim. Uh, I like Natalie Portman a lot. So just kind of seeing her Oscar winning performance, I was, you know, obviously I got a lot out of that. Um, I feel like it suffers a little bit from other things that I've seen of Aronofsky, specifically Mother. It was reminded me a lot of that where it's just, I I get this, the, the message, like everything kind of thematically going on. It's a lot more straightforward and simple than... I don't know if he thinks it's more complex than it is. Um, but ultimately I get to the end of it. I'm like, was there more to it? Am I, am I the dummy? Am I missing something? Um, but overall, I still liked it. It's very well made. It's very well acted. And it's just a weird kind of fever dream, uh, ballerina movie. And <laughs> it's, it's very disturbing and violent and it's, it's weird. It's a weird one, but I liked it. I don't know. Yeah, makes good movies. Shocker. I'd be interested to revisit that one. I saw it in theaters, but it's been since then that I've I've watched it. Yeah, I know I'm I'm probably in the minority here, but uh, of his movies that I've seen, I think The Fountain is still my favorite. Mm, yeah, I gotta watch that still. 
Although the wrestler is really, really good. Uh, Tyler Britton. Uh, Tyler, why don't you go ahead? I'll finish this off. I have I have a thing this week. Um, and it's not just a movie I saw in theaters. I uh, we we watched through all of Miss Maisel that is currently out. Uh, that is nice. a show that we watched a little over a season of. Um, maybe finished season two a while back and then kind of stalled out in the third season somewhere, I think, uh, early on. And season four just wrapped up, so we caught up all the way and, and watched through it. Um, and there was definitely a lull there where we I, I was kind of not fully into it, but was enjoying it. But um, I think by the end, it totally hooked me back in. Uh, the show... So season four, I think, has had some mixed reception, but everyone's pretty overall happy with like the direction it was heading by the end and they've confirmed the next season will be the final season. Um, and, and some of it's because the, the show, the like structure of the season is pretty chaotic. And I think it's because they kind of bent over backwards, trying to find ways to make the actors be in a spot to give really good performances. (laughs) Uh, every actor on that show is so good. Yes. And I think, just about every main character gets a solid minute long monologue at some point in some form or fashion <laughs> that is just spectacular. Um, the, it, it, yeah, it just like, it's such a, just like showing off uh series in terms of how good everyone is in that show. Um, and I, I like what they're doing with the characters. There's a lot of fun stuff there. Um, but, man, like, Luke Kirby uh, gets some really, really great stuff to do. Uh, Alex Borstein. Oh, yeah. Uh, as Susie. Uh, she gets some great stuff. Um, also, obviously, is it Rachel Brosnahan? Yeah. I'm saying that right. Um, she's great in it. As usual, Tony Shalhoub, huh. our boy, our uh, man. Uh, great that it's there's just a ton of a ton of great acting um and as someone who like it knows next to nothing about acting other than do i like the way the person is coming across on the scene <laughs> like every single person minor part like you know wherever they're coming in maybe it's just like a cameo for a second they're always so captivating in that show and i don't know how they do it um the, I, I don't know if it's the directing or, or what but or just the casting is is so so good even for the littlest little like bit parts but um every time anybody speaks i'm like i want to hear more about what's going on with them not so much because i'm that invested in the characters but the the actor actress is just bringing so much to it um it's it's really it's really compelling so That's awesome i enjoyed it quite a bit and i would i would recommend yeah, I, w- I was a big fan of the first two seasons. I just I didn't drop off of it. I just haven't caught up to it yet. So I may have to I may have to get back to season three pretty quick. Uh, I know my friend Sterling K. Brown is in that that season, and yep. oh, love that guy. Um, oh, that's so good to hear. I I watched a movie that uh, this is going to be a qualified recommendation, and it's kind of loopy, but bear with me. I watched uh, the new Joe Wright movie Cyrano. Um, mm-hmm. This is if you know anything about me, and by now I think you do. This is a movie that was basically made for me in a factory. It is directed by Joe Wright, who made two of my favorite movies in Atonement and Pride and Prejudice. Uh, it is a musical version of Cyrano de Bergerac. It's actually based on a stage musical of Cyrano de Bergerac. And it stars Peter Dinklage, 
Uh, so why, how was I not going to see it? Um, it's a really interesting... Joe Wright has made, like I said, two of my favorite movies, and he made a bunch of stuff I don't like, and he made Anna Karenina, which I, which I quite like. And now he has finally made a movie without Keira Knightley in it that I really like. <laughs> sure. But Cyrano, it's a, it's a weird thing to recommend because I feel like if you're me, you would like this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a good movie to watch if you're Britain. But I, it's, so, so the songs are uh, by the band The National. Um, mm. And it definitely, like Peter Dinklage's songs definitely sound like that, which I'm totally fine with. Um, and it, it, it's a movie that I, in a way, I almost think you should just experience it as a concept album, like listen to the soundtrack. Mm. Because I think the song, the songs had to, I had to warm up to them, I had to get used to them. But now, like, that's what I've been listening to for the past few days. Like, that's the music that I've been listening to. And the the interstitial music between the songs, just the, the score itself is gorgeous. And the instrumentation is really creative and really beautiful. Like, the piano is, in it is gorgeous. Like, just just to listen to a, a piece of instrumental music, and then every now and again, you'll hear Peter Dinklage singing. And, like, that is, is such a magical experience. And the movie's not, it's, it's, it's not the same as like a West Side Story or something where it's like, talk, 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 production number, talk, mm. talk, talk, America. This is, nor is it like Les Miserables where it's just sung throughout. The rhythm of this movie feels a lot more like you're sort of ebbing and flowing in and out of the songs. The songs are marked like this is the song and now the song is over. But the way the music sort of carries through the scenes, it just, it feels, which I think was why I struggled with it at first is like, okay, there's not like a clear rhythm of like opening number talk 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 i want song talk 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 it, it just sort of you, you sort of move in and out of, of of the music in a way that i once i kind of surrendered to it i found it really lovely in a lot of ways there's just some beautiful imagery in it and some gorgeous dancing and just beautiful images and then at times it felt a little choppy and over edited and a little a, a little uh uh hastily made maybe um, a little I don't know, uh, good day to die hard editing in there. <laughs> Not mm-hmm. quite. <laughs> um, did uh, did uh, Peter Dinklage did he uh, bash his truck into the bad guy's <laughs> truck and go knock knock? In a way, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he does uh, fight and kill ten men at one point. Well, um, uh, Peter Dinklage. As Peter is, Dinklage should. Yes. Mm-hmm. Peter Dinklage is is the other reason I really recommend this experience because. Obviously, he's a great actor. He is so good in this. And it's such a neat twist on the Cyrano de Bergerac story. Be like, instead of a you know kooky guy with a big nose, he's this rapturous, lamentous, romantic hero with dwarfism. And those kind of characters don't get to be, like, kind of, those kind of actors don't get to be the rapturous, romantic, yearning lead. But also to get that is really cool. But to get it from Peter Dinklage is a gift. And he's so good in it. He sings fine. Like, it, again, if you've listened to, to The National, Matt Berninger is not, you know, he's not belting. He's not hitting these sure. big, big notes. But Peter Dinklage still sounds great. I, there is one song called Your Name. And after I listened, just listened to the soundtrack, I went, oh, I think Peter Dinklage is sexy now. I think we all just have to deal with it. Like, I think we all just have to deal with the fact he's always been a handsome guy. But, like, I think he's just sexy. That's just where we're at at this point in culture. <laughs> um, and, like... Haley Bennett uh, is in it, and she sings actually quite well. Kelvin Harrison Jr. Ben Mendelsohn is in it as as hmm. the villain. Not a musical performer, but kind of, still kind of a fun performance and a fun little sure. little song that he gets. Um, I just always like seeing Ben Mendelsohn. I um, can see him doing a fun 
It would yeah. be fun. Villain song. Yeah, for sure. Me. Uh I will go ahead and say Alex steal yourselves. The accents are in the movie. <laughs> it is <laughs> it takes place in France and people talk like they're from America and England. They I, they're all speak they speak English throughout the whole movie. <laughs> but if it's a musical, I can give it some leeway. Yeah. It, it it has a kind of um a uh, uh, personal history of David Copperfield. We're like, you know, we're just casting actors. Just people are in the movie. Just go with it. Sure. Um, so I definitely hope people will at least listen to it because I think it just sounds beautiful and you can kind of conjure up the images in your mind. There are a lot of things in the movie I don't think work. I don't like the ending. So constantly throughout the movie, I was like, I love how this feels and I love how this sounds. I, I Occasionally I like how it looks. Eh, there's some, a lot. There's a lot of like mechanical things that don't work for me but it's something you kind of have to surrender to and it imagine it like you're going to the beach and you're like i'm not gonna swim i'm just gonna wade out maybe to like my knees or my waist and i'm just gonna feel the ocean and i'm gonna look at the sunset and that's what i'm gonna do at the beach today that's kind of like what cyrano is um and again like i really love the music and i love peter dinklage so in some way, I recommend people experimenting with and experiencing Cyrano, uh, but it's it's just such a it's such a a, a a a unique kind of thing, which which is is nice. I like seeing something different, um, but don't don't expect to go in and to have it be like a traditional musical, so to speak. Um, but I think it's something very different and something quite cool. So, three very similar recommendations. Sure. Uh, if you want to hear more recommendations uh and not hear any more about a good day to die hard uh you can find us on here come the sequels.blogspot.com you can find us on twitter at hct sequels you can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com we are on spotify uh itunes apple music whatever you want to call it um the various podcast apps so uh check us out there leave us a like and a, a a review, a, a at least star review, because I don't think they'll let you do lower than that. But just, like, tell us what's on your mind. Yeah. Tell us that we are a one-star podcast because we haven't uh, done, I don't know, like... T- Raising Arizona. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or, uh, or Jaws. Yeah. We haven't done Jaws. Yeah. G- give us a one star because I gave a good day to die hard a D minus and not <laughs> yes, an F that it truly deserves. Yes. Or because um, I said I don't want John McClane. <laughs> yes. Uh, I do want to end with uh, another random, more, more sombering note, much like last episode. Um, because last episode I mentioned Neil Adams passed away. Uh, there's actually another uh famous comic book artist who passed away recently uh george perez uh he drew both uh the original or at least was i think for infinity gauntlet he was um working with ron Lim, i think uh but he was involved and you can definitely tell it's it's him it's his style uh in the original Infinity Gauntlet series from the 90s. Wow. And then also Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, from uh, 85 or 86. So, like, <laughs> he, that that kind of sums it up right there about how impactful he was, like, uh, kind of the two most famous events in either Marvel or DC history. Um, 
and and in general just like a totally incredible like y- you can pick up pretty much anything that he's done and be like oh wow this yeah. is really good and really cool to look at um and just just really like mesmerizing so um i wanted to raise that because i i think people should be aware of these things i think comic books in general are, are kind of uh the the creators behind some of the things that spin up these giant movies that we like to talk about uh, such as a good day to die hard i guess uh are you know sometimes not as as the spotlight is not as much on them um and he had been in, in kind of poor health for a while and uh was getting up there in, in age so uh, not a huge shock uh, kind of the same as with neil adams but still you know pretty upsetting and, and shocking and um leading to a lot of people just like outpouring how much he meant to them as a creator so uh go check out some of his stuff yeah um, totally it's uh it's he's he he was a, a great artist so yeah i just looked up some of his stuff and it is it is gorgeous very bright mm-hmm. yeah yeah tyler he he helped with the wonder woman revival after yes. crisis on infinite earths right yep and he did he write on that or did he just draw i think he did write and draw that right I believe. Oh, wow that cool. was that was all him so yeah he had, there were a few series he did like that but um definitely more known as an artist but that's also like a pretty acclaimed run so cool so i think that we've more or less settled what we're going to do next week we will we will let that be a surprise for for you you listeners out there um but i think it's going to be pretty good so and it's not divergent we're not there yet 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 we we gotta build we gotta build to that oh yeah which is why we've done over 300 episodes of this podcast (laughs) and we're still yeah we're not ready yet no 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 that's really like a 500th episode. It'll be in the middle of another franchise. We'll diverge into the... <laughs> you know what? Divergent. <laughs> I don't want to talk about Di- Rambo 3. We're going to do Divergent. Di- divergent can strike anyone. Exactly. Uh, divergent can happen to anyone. <laughs> None shall know the hour. Indeed. Well, uh, thank you all for listening. And I've been Britton. I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. Oh. What, what do we do? <laughs> Uh, well, unlike the audience, and we're not having I've, a good night. <laughs> I've been Tyler, and you're having a good day to die hard night. <laughs> oh.